2: It's the Sunday Showcase on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated G for general audiences.
0: Welcome one and all to Mutual Presents. I'm your host Jack Ward here with Penny. And this week we're going to look into the old-time radio series featured on our Mutual YouTube channel, Adventures with Maisie. You know, Comedy has always been a very difficult balance to get right, and many shows don't hold up today compared to the past. Recently, I've been putting some classic sitcoms in the background while I'm doing some chores. There's something about listening to The Dick Van Dyke Show, uh, My Favorite Husband, That Girl, Our Miss Brooks, or Maisie to give someone a warm, sentimental feeling. So let's wind back our clocks, Penny, and have a listen to Clothes Make a Woman and Hitching to Bartonville. From the Mutual Broadcasting System.
1: Hiya, babe. Say, how about. Ouch! Does that answer your question, buddy?
3: The Adventures of Maisie, starring Ann Southern. <laughs> You all remember Metro Golden Mayer's famous Maisie picture. Now, in just a moment, you'll hear Maisie in radio, starring the same glamorous star you all went to see and loved on the screen Ann Southern. But first, your announcer. <laughs> and Southern
0: as
1: Maisie. Yep, I'm Maisie, like the man said. Maisie Revere. I was born in Brooklyn in 1900 and... Well, I was born in Brooklyn. You know, there's an old saying that clothes make the man. But I got a little story that proves that clothes also make the woman, if you know what I mean. It all started back in London, England. I'd gone over there with a musical review called Humpty Dumpty. Well, if you think Humpty Dumpty fell off a wall, you should have seen our flop. So there I was, stranded in London, (laughs) and broke as usual. Luckily, I managed to get a job as a model at one of them hoity-toity dress saloons. I mean, salons that catered strictly to women born with silver spoons in their mouths. Well, one day, a couple of us mannequins were modeling gowns for one of them stuffy title days.
4: And uh, this, Lady five, is a creation of which Turnbull and Company is especially proud. I should like to call your ladyship's attention to the plunging neckline.
5: I shouldn't think it would be necessary to call anyone's attention to the neckline, Mr. Turnbull. Plunging, indeed. It looks to me as if it were torpedoed.
4: Remove it from my sight at once. Oh, but your ladyship, this is an exact replica of what has been worn in America. Mr. Turnbull,
5: what is considered quite the thing in the colonies does not interest me in the least. Remember, I am an Englishwoman, not an Indian. And if you have nothing more suitable to show me, I'll oh, just...
4: We do, your ladyship. We've just scads and scads and scads of the very latest, the very, very, very latest. Uh, next piece, next piece. Come on, come on, come on now. And while the next
1: model paraded in front of her royal hastiness, I peeked through the curtains to get a closer look. And uh,
4: this gown, your ladyship, we consider poetry, share... Right.
5: So I consider it waste. Sheer waste. Kindly remove it from
1: my sight.
4: <laughs> yes, your ladyship. At once.
1: Nothing seemed to please this warmed over Yorkshire pudding. Her reaction to each gown model was the same. One nostril went up like she was trying to smell something, and the other one looked like she had just smelled it. Too bad, too. Because she was young and beautiful.
4: Next, please. Miss Rivera. Her ladyship is waiting.
1: Oh, coming, Mr. Tangle, coming.
4: <laughs> Ah, your lish! Here we have the very ultimate in gowns for la dance. Chic, revealing, and uh, yet it uh, exercises a certain restraint.
5: I should like to examine it a bit closer. Come here, girl. Oh, sure, Lady Smith. If you don't mind, girl, my name is not Smith. It is Lady Smythe. Oh, sorry, forgive me. I mean,
1: forgive me, Lady Smythe.
4: Mister Mayor, if you don't mind... I believe her ladyship would like to see the back. Ah, right, though. There you are, Lady Svide. Ah, I see you are impressed.
5: Nauseated is more descriptive of my reaction, Mr. Lowe. Nauseated? That gown leaves hardly anything
1: to the imagination.
5: But your
4: ladyship, after all, an evening gown is your... Is
1: like a picket fence. It's supposed to protect the property and not obstruct the view. <laughs> yes, yes.
4: yes. yes uh, very well put, Miss Robert, very oh, well no, indeed. Don't... don't you think so, your ladyship?
5: If you really want to know, the vulgarity of this
1: person has helped.
4: A little fur chapeau also comes with it.
1: Yes, your ladyship, and it's just your type, too. Skunk. Oh! <gasps> I've never been so insulted in all my life. Well, maybe you should be, dearie. So you'll know how it feels to take it instead of just dishing it out.
4: Miss Rivera, her ladyship is a customer here.
1: I demand that this uncouth person be discharged at once. You do not have to demand, kiddo. I know I'm getting the gate. And I needed this job, too. But I also need my self-respect, too. Self-respect, indeed. And what would
5: you Americans know about respect? Well... That cuts it. Now sit back and listen, smeddy Mr. Turnbull, are you going to stand by and hear me insulted?
4: Well, oh, frankly, I hadn't planned on it, your ladyship. But now that you've mentioned it, I do believe I'd rather enjoy it. <laughs> Carry on, Miss Rivere.
5: <laughs> aye, aye, chum. Mr. Turnbull, I will never purchase another thing in this shop.
4: You never have, your ladyship.
1: Well, I've never been talked to in this way in my life. In all circles. So that's just the trouble with your circle. Ever since you were born, you've been traveling in one. What? You never gave anything, just took what you thought was coming to you. In other words, you and your kind are just, just...
4: Parasites? Yes. Thank you, Mr. Turnbull. Keep at it, Miss Rivera. You're doing quite well. Or, uh, as you say in America, you're uh, cooking with petrol. Hmm. Lady
1: Smythe, I've been around quite a bit. I've seen a lot of this world. And when you really get down to it, the only difference between rich people and poor people is that rich people are only poor people with money. Are you? quite? Finished, Miss Rivera.
5: Quite. Thank you. Good day.
4: Oh. oh.
1: oh. Well, I, I guess I might as well get off my soapbox, Mr. Turnbull. I'm, I'm sorry I ruined a sale for you.
4: Not at all, Miss Revere. I enjoyed the, uh, <laughs> the ruining immensely.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't mean to lay it on so thick, but... Oh,
4: well, if I may be permitted to make a comment, some of those things that you implied were quite true. But while you were haranguing Lady Smythe, Miss Robert, I had an idea which I would like very much to discuss with you later.
1: Later? Why not now?
4: Oh, come, come, we can't possibly discuss it now. It's, it's five o'clock. It's, it's time for tea.
1: Oh, yes. One mustn't miss tea, must one? <laughs>
4: Uh, would this table do, Monsieur Turnbull? Ideal, Henri, ideal. Uh, don't you think so, Mr. Rivera?
1: Well, um, frankly, I'd feel less conspicuous in a corner someplace, Mr. Turnbull. Everybody seems to be staring at us right here in the center of the joint. I, I mean, restaurant.
4: That's well, exactly why I asked Henri to seat us here. You are uh, constructed to uh, track the eye. N'est-ce pas, Henri? Ah, bien, monsieur.
1: Oh, gracias, monsieur.
4: <laughs> well, uh, now that we're seated, Miss Treviere, shall we order? First?
1: First? um, Mr. Turnbull, I, I think I should set you straight before we go any further.
4: Set me straight? I. I, right. I don't believe I understand, my dear. Well, well I. Pardon, would
2: monsieur and mademoiselle care to order now? Well,
1: mademoiselle ain't finished yet. Mr. Turnbull, um, about these clothes I'm wearing...
2: Beautiful, Miss Trevor,
4: positively beautiful. The very finest ever created by Turnbull and company. And on you, my dear, are positively stunning. <laughs> N'est-ce pas, Henri? Uh,
2: tout à fait ravissant, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, thank you.
1: Uh, Mr. Turnbull, I agreed to wear this outfit in your shop because you insisted on it. And... Well, I'm grateful for a chance to wear nice things. I'm I'm very grateful.
4: Oh, come, 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 my dear. You really owe me nothing.
1: Good. Now that that's cleared up, let's eat.
4: Uh, Well, I I believe we shall order now, Henri. Would you care for a spot of tea, Miss Rivera? Oh,
1: no. If it's all the same to you, I think I'd prefer a drip of coffee.
4: Very well. One drip of coffee. I'll just have tea. Uh, Oui, monsieur.
1: (laughs) Tea, Mr. Turnbull. An outfit like this is one of the weaknesses of the weaker sex. <laughs> I wish I could always wear clothes like this.
4: You can, Miss Rivera. That is what I want to talk to you about.
1: Well, so long,
4: Mr. Turnbull. Oh, no, no, please, Miss Ravera, no, don't be foolish.
1: This may be a surprise to you, Sonny, but there are certain items that are not included in Lend Lease.
4: Miss Rivera, look at me. Do I seem like the kind of man that your that your insinuation suggests?
1: No. Just because the tea kettle don't whistle don't mean that there ain't something cooking inside.
4: Oh, Miss Revere, you are a very attractive woman. You wear clothes divinely. My clothes. Uh-huh. Now, when you entered this restaurant, you caused quite the effect that I had anticipated. The ladies here, they thought you were something other than a professional mannequin.
1: Well, the ladies weren't the only ones who thought that. And
4: the first thing that came into all those women's minds was... Where did she get those clothes?
1: That was the second thing that came into their minds.
4: Miss Revere, how would you like to wear clothes like that always? Go to the most exclusive hotels and resorts and have more than enough money not to have to worry about tomorrow.
1: Hmm. No strings? No strings. What's the gimmick? The gimmick? What do I have to do to win this British quiz program?
4: Call Miss Revere... Since the war, barely enough customers have patronized my salon to pay the overhead. Mm -hmm. At one time, the rich came to my salon from all over England.
1: Well, you can't expect that anymore, Mr. Turnbull. Now, the gasoline, I mean, petrol is rationed, even the rich can't afford to travel to Turnbull and Company.
4: Exactly. But there is no reason why Turnbull and Company can't travel to the rich.
1: Oh. You mean sort of a traveling salesman?
4: No, a traveling saleswoman, Miss Revere. In other words...
1: Me? <laughs> I never sold clothes in my life.
4: You wouldn't have to sell. You'd just travel around at my expense to wear the rich congregate.
1: Oh, and all I have to do is casually mention where each garment I'm wearing is from, and the price. Exactly.
4: And oh. when the ladies notice how the eyes of their attentive swains and husbands wander from their drab selves to your, to your... Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Go on, Mr. Turnbull. I, I think I see what you mean.
4: Well... Uh, Vanity will find a way to get to my shop in London and to purchase replicas of the clothes that you have literally been modeling.
1: Oh, and for this I'll have all the things I ever wanted to wear.
4: Yes. However, there's one slight catch. Well,
1: this is where I came in.
4: I mean, Miss Revere, frankly, many of the best families in England, they don't quite understand Americans. No. You're an actress, I know. I, I saw you, I saw the show you were in.
1: Oh, so you were the one. <laughs>
4: <laughs> and, uh, well, if you would sort of act as if you were British.
1: Oh. Well, well what do you think of this? Oh, how did you, old oh, fruit, old bean, oh, what not? Just received word from home that Peter and Nater were run down and killed by a tram. Well, who's for telling?
4: <laughs> good. <laughs> Very good. Well, Miss Trevere, what do you say? Do you accept? Well. Here's your tea, Monsieur Turnbull. And your coffee, Mam'selle.
1: So sorry to inconvenience you, old chap. But I should prefer tea.
2: Tea? Is Mam'selle changing her order?
1: No, just my nationality. Uh-huh. uh uh-huh. uh-huh.
3: The Adventures of Macy, starring Ann Southern, will continue in just a moment. <laughs>
6: Yes, Lord Deveridge. I was just in the process of sorting the morning post. There's the usual letter for you, your lordship.
7: From Lady Smythe, I presume.
6: Uh, yes, sir.
7: Tear it up. But, uh, destroy it, sir? Oh, but, but but it's scented. Oh, the most exotic perfume. Very well, Clark. You may smell it a few more times and then tear it up. Oh, yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Oh, my only purpose in coming to this dull resort was to escape the obvious marital net that untiring woman seems determined to draw me into. However, I really didn't come here to burden you with La Lafayre Smythe. Would you be kind enough to telephone the groom at the stables and ask him to saddle up that grey stallion, uh, Firefly, a good fellow? Hmm? Firefly, your lordship? Isn't he a bit uh, spirited? Quite. Certainly your social staff can conjure up some activities more blood-tingling than whist or pin the tail on the donkey. Oh, but your lordship, Kensington Lodge has always been a vacation resort for, uh,
6: well, people of more advanced years.
7: Perhaps if some of your aged guests don't do something besides just sitting around under trees, they're liable to take root. Oh, I'd get ten pounds right now if I could feast my eyes on an exciting, beautiful woman again. Uh, Porter, do be
1: careful with my luggage. I say. My entire wardrobe,
5: consisting
1: of 34 complete ensembles from Turnbull & Company, 326 Brewery Lane, London, operations made free, is in there. Uh,
7: Clark, I owe you ten pounds. <gasps> oh, she does seem quite a... Attractive, your lordship. Quite. The American GIs had an expression that aptly described that particular type of attractiveness. I believe the phrase was. uh, (whistles) Well, uh, words to to that effect. Come,
1: come, chaps. Kindly deposit my luggage at the desk and scamper out of my limousine and help my chauffeur and footman. I mean, (laughs) feetman. I have two, you know.
4: Do help them, will you? Yes, it wants, madam. Oh, thank you, madam.
1: Oh, not at all, my good chap. Surely you've been given five-pound tips before.
6: Five-pound tip, your lordship? She must be very wealthy or American. Hard to tell what she is, with that accent.
1: Yes, set down my hat box here, boy, and be careful. It's just put of my new chateau. <laughs> I mean chapeau.
6: Pardon me, your lordship. Uh, yes, madam, uh, what may we do for you?
1: Oh, uh, good afternoon, clerk. My good friend, Mr. Turnbull of Turnbull & Company, creators of the very utterly art and feminine apparel, established in 1925, wired ahead, I do believe, for accommodations. Don't you know? Oh,
6: oh uh, but, but of course, Your Grace.
1: Oh, no. No, I'm Maisie, City, Maisie Revere.
6: I mean, yes, Lady Revere.
1: If he failed to send the wire, I should be livid, but absolutely livid. Uh, Lady Revere?
6: Oh, I do hope there's been no mistake. But here's Mr. Turnbull's wire. Kindly book a suite for a Lady Maisie Revere.
8: Oh,
1: gee. The telegraph company left out a comma. It was supposed to say, book a suite for a Lady comma Maisie Revere.
7: I believe you dropped your glove, Lady Revere. Oh,
1: thank you. Well, thank you very much.
7: Uh,
6: You were saying, Lady Revere, something about a comma, I believe.
1: Oh, yes, yes. I, I was saying that should I like it here, I should be very glad to come again. <laughs> Didn't you know? Oh, I see. I'm mean, I quite see. certain
7: that you'll enjoy your stay here, Lady Riviere. Um, would you think it too presumptuous of me if I were to ask you to join me for tea?
1: Well, aren't you the pushy one? I am not in the habit of partaking of tea with strangers, my good fellow. Oh.
7: Well, I, um, I'm Lord Anthony Deverish, Lady Riviere.
1: Oh well, now that we've been introduced, I suppose it's all right.
7: Well, that's very charming of you. Uh, shall we say out on the terrace, um, about four thirty ish?
1: Oh, well, I'm, I'm practically parched, Lord Deverage. Could we perchance make that three, That is ish?
7: Delighted, my dear, I'm delighted. I merely suggested a later hour to give you ample time to uh, shower or tub.
1: Oh, well, I've much too, too parched to shower or tub. I believe this time I shall just basin. Uh, <laughs>
7: basin. <laughs> you have a delightful sense of humour, my Lady Riviera. I, I'm frightfully glad we've met. Right.
1: Oh, frightfully, really, don't you know.
6: I
7: just checked with the
6: housekeeper, and I believe your suite is all ready for occupancy. I shall have your luggage brought up immediately.
1: Oh, thank you, my good man. Here, this is for you.
7: Oh, thank you. Thank you indeed. <laughs> I was just going upstairs to my suite to change. Later, Revere, uh, perhaps we can ride up together in the same lift.
1: Hmm? Oh, well, don't you think it might be safer in the elevator?
7: Elevator? Mm. But, oh, isn't that the term used in America for, for a lift?
1: Oh, yes. Now that you mention it, I'm afraid I've been going to too many of those cinemas made up there in the colonies. You know, where a girl meets a man one minute and... Yes,
7: and then the, then the next minute he invites her to dine. Yes.
1: Things just don't happen that way in real life. Why, sometimes he doesn't even know what she really is.
7: How true.
1: Mm.
7: And then scarcely two minutes after they've met... The boy and the girl always subconsciously find themselves calling each other by their first names
1: yes so untrue to real life what
7: quite untrue
1: yes well i'll meet you at three thirty for tea tony
7: and i'll be waiting impatiently amazing <laughs>
1: the first moment Tony and me sipped our tea together, I knew I was a real gone gal. I forgot that I was just a clothes horse for Turnbull Company, because in the week that followed, Tony treated me like a thoroughbred. Maybe it was the tender way he lifted me onto my horse every time we went riding, and the gentle way he arranged the cushions on my chair after I came back. Maybe it was because for the first time in my life I was treated like a lady, not like just a dame. Oh, I tried to tell him the truth about me several times. But somehow the subject always got changed. Or maybe I didn't try hard enough. Anyway, I remember one afternoon out on the terrace, I was having tea with Tony again. He didn't know it, but I was leaving the hotel that night. I'd wired Mr. Turnbull I was coming home and calling the whole arrangement off. Now, while I was sitting there at the table with Tony, I tried to think out the words to tell him that I was an all-American phony. And hope that maybe he would understand.
7: Tea, Maisie. Hmm. Oh, you've been miles away. Do you think it's time to come down to earth?
1: Yes, down to earth. Tony. Yes, my dear. Tony, I, I, I. Yes. Uh, I think I'll have a cup of tea.
7: Oh, yes, certainly, my dear. You know, you you seem a bit pale this evening. This tea will brace you up, make you feel like another person.
1: Well, that's exactly my trouble, Tony. Since I've met you, I actually do feel like another person.
7: Oh, Maisie, my darling, I, I was hoping that you thought that way, because, well, since I've met you. Oh, please, I...
1: Tony. Before you say anything, I'd, I'd like to ask you something.
7: Uh, yes, madam. Anything your heart desires. Anything. Tony. Yes, madam.
1: Would you. Would you. Yes. Uh, would you pass the lemon?
7: Oh, certainly, my dear. Here. Yeah. <coughs> Um crumpet?
1: No, just squeeze it.
7: Hmm? Get, um, Maisie, darling, are, are you sure that you're all right?
1: Yes, Tony. I've got to tell you something that's been on my mind since since that, that day.
7: Then I have to tell you something, too, Maisie. I've changed my mind about those boy and girl films that they make in Hollywood. Maisie.
1: Please, I... Tony. Me first.
7: Oh, yes, naturally, my dear. Ladies first, huh?
1: Well, that's the trouble, Tony. I'm not well, a re- oh,
5: Tony, I do hope I'm not intruding.
7: Pamela, where did you come from?
5: In London, my dear chap. Just thought I'd drop by and claim my letters that you obviously haven't read.
7: Maisie, <laughs> oh, darling, what's happened? What in the world are you doing with that napkin over your face?
1: Oh, I it stuck me in the eye when I drank my cup
7: of tea. Oh, my poor darling, look, perhaps I can help. Let me see.
5: Yes, my dear. I should like to see Tony's darling, too. Perhaps that will explain hmm. why you haven't replied to my letters. take oh, your friend away
1: someplace and talk, Tony, and don't bother about me. The spoon isn't stuck in there very deep, you
7: know. Oh, don't be ridiculous, my darling. I wouldn't want any infection to set in. There, now, let Tony remove the napkin, hmm? There's a big good, uh, here.
5: Well, I do hope it's nothing trivial. <gasps> you! Hello.
7: Pamela, have you and Lady Revere met?
5: Lady Revere! Tony, this girl is an imposter.
7: Pamela, I know you're just a jealous cat, but I will not have you talk in that manner to my fiance.
1: Fiance? Tony, are you insane? <laughs> no, kiddo, I'm the cookie that's insane. But
7: Maisie, your accent—is uh, this some sort of a game? Or...
5: Obviously, darling,
1: a game of blind man's bluff. You are obviously the blind man. Yeah, and you just called my bluff. Shall I do the honors, Lady Smythe, or would you like to tell Lord Deveridge the sad story of Maisie Revere, girl schmo? Schmo? That, I believe, is American for stinker. Well, that's pretty close, honey. But if you don't mind, I'll take it from here. Very well, my
5: dear. Tell me if you want me. And after this, this shop girl finishes her sordid tale, I imagine you will. I'll be at the airport. I'm flying back to London this afternoon. Goodbye.
1: Goodbye, darling. Have a pleasant trip. And be careful that you don't fall off your broom.
7: Amazing. Amazing. Maisie, I just can't understand any
1: of this. No. So, no, when when you're born with everything, I guess it ain't easy. What I've been trying to tell you all along, Lord Deveridge, is that I'm just a sort of traveling clothes horse for Turnbull and Company.
7: Oh, so that's the reason for the continual 326 Drury Lane London alterations made by little weight. <laughs>
1: yeah. It was strictly business till I met you. And then, well, I guess the moon got in my eyes.
7: Maisie... You remember those American films we've been talking about?
1: Yeah, boy meets girl, boy loses girl, boy finds girl. Well, you found me. Believe me, brother. Right now, I'd like to get lost.
7: Well, I don't want you to get lost, Maisie. There are other films too. Remember, Uh, rich man meets shop girl, rich man falls for shop girl,
1: shop girl goes back to shop,
7: but rich man follows her and they live happily ever after. Yeah. Oh,
1: honey, you'd never sell that to an American producer. It's too commercial.
7: Are you amazing? I I mean, uh, it it, it wasn't only money in my case. hmm?
1: Oh, no, it wasn't.
7: Well, uh, it wasn't only your rather extensive wardrobe, nor your physical beauty with me, either.
1: Oh, I know what you're trying to say, Tony, and thanks. But it won't work. Why not? Well, you're caviar and me. I'm, I'm (laughs) pickles,
7: Well, pickles and caviar go rather well together when they're eaten.
1: Yeah, but after a while, it can make you awful sick.
7: I wouldn't mind. You will mind that.
1: No, Tony. We're from different worlds, and I just don't fit into yours. You're a lord, remember, and I'm not a lady.
7: No, you're wrong, Maisie. You may not have that so-called blue blood in your veins, but you certainly are a lady. <laughs>
3: Just a moment, we shall return to the adventures of Maisie. Once again,
1: here's Maisie. Well, that's the story of Cinderella and her Prince Charming. Maybe some of you are saying that I should have married Tony and see what happened. That marriage is a wonderful institution. Well, maybe marriage is a wonderful institution. But Tony and me, we, we just didn't talk the same language. There's one thing I did learn, though. It's always better to tell the truth than lies. At least when you tell the truth, you don't have to remember what you said. Well, get along there, feet. London is miles away.
3: You have just heard the adventures of Maisie, starring Anne Southern. Maisie was written by Arthur Phillips. Original music was composed and conducted by Harry Zimmerman. Supporting cast included Lorene Tuttle, Ramsey Hill, Ben Wright, Marvin Miller, and Alec Harford. Jack McCoy speaking. <laughs> Yeah, babe. Say how about a little...
1: Ouch! Does that answer your question, buddy?
3: The Adventures of Maisie, starring Ann Southern. <laughs> you all remember Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer's famous Maisie pictures. In just a moment, you'll hear Maisie in radio, starring the same glamorous star you all went to see and loved on the screen, and Southern. But first, your
8: announcer. <laughs>
1: I'm Maisie, like the man said. Maisie Revere. Of course, that's only the name I use on the stage. I'm half Irish, half Scotch. And the way I keep on believing that I'll make a success in show business, I guess I'm also half nuts. But I'm not complaining. I travel from place to place trying to make an honest buck, and I keep laughing at trouble. And trouble always seems to laugh back. And such a dirty laugh, too. Hmm. Like, for instance, the time I wound up in the thriving little town of Bartonville. I was hitchhiking my way back to Brooklyn. I figured if I wasn't going to eat, I might as well not eat among friends. So, well, I didn't want to stay stranded in Bartonville, so I walked up to an old gent whittling away in front of a tree by the general store. Uh, pardon me, mister, but can you tell me when the next train leaves here? Yep. Well, how about telling me? You haven't asked me yet. Oh, pardon me. When does the next train leave for the east? Uh, Nine fifteen. Nine fifteen. July eighth. Year after next. Oh, then I guess I'd better hurry or I'll year after next.
3: Yep. a railroad company won't put in a spur track off the main line until the town has a population of two thousand six hundred. And so far, Bartonville only has two thousand four hundred ninety-two. Hmm.
1: Well, I guess I'll have to take the bus. Ain't
3: no buses out here neither.
1: No buses, no trains. What do you folks do when you want to leave this town? Talk ourselves out of it. Oh, fine. Stranded in a one-horse town. Look, Missy. uh... I know. No horse, either. Uh,
3: Yeah.
1: Well, mister, since I'm stuck here for a while, any way of earning any money in this town? I wouldn't know. I never tried it. Well, there's no rush, Grandpa. You're young yet. I guess I'll have to stay somewhere until I figure out my next move. Can you tell me where the hotel is? Yeah, Okay, I'm asking. Where's the hotel? Down the street to the corner and then two blocks over. Thanks.
8: Yeah,
1: you won't like it there, I reckon. Why not? It burned down last week. Well, why didn't you say so? You didn't ask me. Oh, sorry, it slipped my mind. Any place else I can get a room in this warmed-over graveyard, Grandpa? Well, you might try Agatha Slump's. Well, frankly, that don't sound like a very tasty dish.
8: Uh,
3: Aggie's a teacher at the high school. She takes in boarders every once in a while. Only lady boarders, mind Mm -hmm. you. Aggie's a spinster lady. You know how it is.
1: No, but I bet it ain't good. Can you tell me where I can find the high school?
3: Yep, it's still down by the river, I think. You think? Yeah, I ain't been down to check since the tornado. (sighs)
1: Well, I think I'll amble down to the high school and see if I can make a deal with Miss Schlump. So long, Pappy. And don't sit there at the base of the tree too long. You might start to take root. So, since I figured I was destined to have to stay in this American Devil's Island for a while, I, I walked down to the Bartonville High School to find this schlump character and ask her to put me up for a spell. On the way to the classrooms, I passed the football field where the team was having practice.
9: 43, 28!
1: Ninety-six. Stick to the game, quarterback. (laughs) You too, coach. Oh, uh, pardon me, young man. Yes, what can I... What can I do for you? Well, first wipe the steam off the inside of your glasses and then tell me where I can find Miss Agatha Schlump. Oh, you'll find Prune Face in the history
9: room. Prune Face? Oh, I'm sorry. You're uh, you're not related to her by any chance.
1: Well, in a way. They're both the same sex. Well, you'd never suspect it. Now, now. That isn't a nice thing to say about a teacher. After all, what would the world be like
9: without teachers? Paradise. Especially without a sourpuss like Miss Schlump. Sourpuss? Oh, you, you mean she's just... Wait till you meet her. Mm. She's been even worse than ever lately.
1: Oh, fine. And I wanted to ask if she'd take me in as a boarder.
9: Oh, you expect to live in Bartonville? Yeah, we call that living. Well, I'll show you where the history room is. Uh, thanks. Oh, oh, by the way, I'm uh, Maisie Revere. Oh, hello. I'm Tommy Johnson. Oh, uh, hello. Here's the history classroom, Miss Revere. I don't know whether Miss Schlump is in there yet. It's still an hour before class begins.
1: Yes, Miss? Is there anything I can do for you? Uh, I'm looking for the history teacher, sir. Sir! Miss Revere, that's Miss Schlump. Oh, oh, I'm sorry, Miss Schlump. But with that manish suit and the way you're wearing your hair. Oh, that's I... quite all right, Miss. Perhaps I do dress a little severely, but after all, I'm a school teacher and not a glamour girl.
9: You can say that again.
1: What was that, Tommy? Uh, he said that he may need a pen. Didn't you, Tommy? Uh, yeah. Well, bye now, Miss Revere. Bye. Exactly. What can I do for you, Miss Mr... uh, Revere? Revere. Maisie Revere. Of course, that's just the name I use on the stage. The stage? Then you act on the stage.
8: How awful.
1: Oh, you've seen my act, then. <laughs> well, I, I know it's not very good. Oh, I'm sorry, Miss Revere. Forgive me. I, I haven't been feeling well, lately. Like oh, well, then maybe you could use somebody to, well, sort of take care of you and sort of, maybe somebody like a boarder, maybe. You want to live in this town. Oh, it's not such a bad town, Miss Schlump. I think it's out of this world, a little too far out. I won't be in your way, though, Slumpy, unless maybe, um... No, you couldn't be. Couldn't
8: be. What? Uh,
1: thinking of getting married.
8: Married? Oh! Oh, gee, I'm
1: sorry, honey. Don't cry. Here, dry your eyes. Here's a blotter. Married.
8: Oh, please don't. Oh.
1: Marriage is a wonderful institution, and you look like you're ready for one. Oh, I mean... Someday somebody will come along and...
8: That's just the trouble.
1: Somebody has come along. He has? Only he hasn't. Say, you haven't been well, have you? You don't understand. Well, maybe you'd better tell me about it. Uh, But have a drink of water first. There's some on the desk. Oh, yeah. Here. Don't you think you'd better take the flowers out first? Oh, sure, sure. Um, this. Thanks. Now, I'm, I'm ready to listen, honey. Oh, I don't want to annoy you with my troubles. Side really doesn't make sense. Well, love ain't supposed to make sense, honey. It's just a disease that science hasn't found a cure for yet. It'll make you feel better to tell somebody about it. Are you in love, honey?
8: Oh, I feel so miserable. So miserable. Oh. I don't think I want to live anymore.
1: You're in love. Now tell me about the fella. Is he handsome?
8: (laughs) I don't know.
1: Oh. Well, then what does he look like?
8: I don't know.
1: I've never seen him. Never seen him? Where'd you meet in Pittsburgh? I never met him. You don't know what he looks like. You never met him and still you're in love? Well, it isn't easy to explain. I'll bet it ain't, sister. You see, we both fell in love. Oh, you'll never believe this. I will, honey, if I have to force myself. Well, you see, Roger... Roger St. John Terwilliger, Tammy... <laughs> Is his full name? And a fuller name than that I've never heard.
8: He's a professor of history at the Sorbonne Palace,
1: And he wrote a book, Mm -hmm. a wonderful book, called The Tribal Customs of the Ancient Aztecs. Mm. You haven't read it by any chance? No, and I'll never understand how I missed it. Uh, How did you and Roger St. John and so forth fall in love? Well, we didn't at first. You see, I was so impressed that I wrote Roger... Well, you might call it a fan letter. Oh, <laughs> and he answered, and that's how you both fell in love. And we corresponded for months, and mm-hmm. last month on my 23rd birthday, he proposed. You're uh, only 23? I know. I look more like I'm 43, don't I? Well, only when you smile, honey. I, I know what I you mean, Mrs.
8: Sophia.
1: And that's exactly what Roger would think if he ever saw the real me. If? You mean he never saw you either and he wants to marry you? He wants to marry the beautiful girl I led him to believe I was. Uh Uh-oh. In your letters, you toyed with the truth a little. I said I had golden hair. Mm. Did you like Lana Turner? Complexion like Elizabeth Taylor? Some toying, I'll say. Look, honey, I don't want to hurt your feelings. But when Roger comes here to marry you, well, you don't wear a veil until the ceremony. It won't be a ceremony. He keeps asking when he can come to America and marry me. But I keep putting him off with excuses. All kinds of excuses. Oh, oh don't cry, honey. Maybe if he did come here and saw you, he'd... Well, 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 after all, you have a very smart brain. But a brain is the last thing a man looks for in a woman. Yeah, after he looks for everything else. Oh,
9: Come in. Pardon me, Lump, but a cablegram just came for you. They asked me to bring it in. Cablegram? Maisie. Here.
1: Oh, gosh, I'm so nervous. Oh, open it, Maisie. Well, I'm so nervous, too. You open it, Tommy.
9: Okay. Huh. It's from somebody called Roger. Roger? Oh, let me see. Uh, dear,
1: Arriving 11 a.m. today by plane, and we leave right after we get married for France. We'll not listen to any more excuses.
8: This is our wedding day. I love you, Roger. Oh, Maisie, what'll I do?
1: Well, offhand, I say you ain't got enough time to do anything but pack a nightgown and practice blushing. But what will Roger think when he sees me?
8: He thinks I'm beautiful.
1: He does? Well, he couldn't... Uh, never mind, Tommy. I think Aggie is pretty, if you look for the right thing. You really think so, Maisie? Why, sure, honey. Why, you have very pretty... Very pretty... Yes, Well, this may come as a surprise to you, honey, but I can't remember when I ever saw a girl with such beautiful earlobes.
8: I have nice earlobes? Why, exquisite. That's what they are, just exquisite.
1: Don't you think so, Tommy?
9: I wouldn't know, Miss Revere. I ain't much of an earlobe man. Uh, Eh,
1: never mind. And there's possibilities with that complexion, too. And your nose is cute. Say, Schlumpy, is there a decent beauty parlor in this town? I don't know.
9: I've never been to one. Well, Antoine's Donna Main does great work. Uh, Miss Hardwick, the English teacher, always goes there to have her mustache dyed. Um, I mean... Agatha, honey, you're off to
1: Antoine's to get your kisser made kissable. But will there be time? Roger's arriving at 11 and it's after 10 now. Well, then you'd better hurry. Get a facial, a massage, your eyebrows thin. Yeah,
9: so Roger won't think you're
1: John L. Lewis. Tommy. But suppose it won't work? Suppose Roger doesn't... Well, you know, I, I can't afford to lose my job. Jobs aren't very easy to get. Yeah, so the rumor goes... Macy. Yeah? Would you? Would I what? Take over my history class for today. Oh, but I don't know anything about what happened hundreds of years ago. I can't even remember what happened yesterday. Say, why can't you just memorize today's lesson? Memorize? Yes, it's right here in the book. It's all about the First Punic War from 264 B.C. to 241 B.C. You remember studying that in school, don't you? Uh, Well, I'm afraid not, honey. You see, I only went as far as the sixth grade, and I must have been playing hooky the day we took up the Punic Wars. Oh. oh. I guess I'll just have to let Roger see me as I am.
8: I was born to go through life without love, and maybe Roger will find somebody else to marry. Somebody pretty.
1: Tommy. Yeah? Hand me that book. Oh, thanks, Maisie. Thanks just a million. Well, I'm off. I guess I'm a little bit off, too. Get the works, honey.
9: Here's the book, Miss Revere. And here's today's lesson. There ain't much time. You better start memorizing. Yeah,
1: sure, sure.
9: The First Punic War,
1: 264 to 241 Mm B.C. A band of mercenaries who had been dismissed by the tyrant of Syracuse...
3: Adventures of Maisie, starring Ann Southern, will continue in just a moment.
1: Thank you, gentlemen. I am Miss Revere. Miss Schlump won't be with you this morning. <laughs> well, she's having a few mistakes fixed up so she can pass a very important examination this morning. I will now call the roll. Henry Grunbrod. <coughs> Present. George Mason. <coughs> Present. Percival Langdon.
9: Dear teacher.
1: Hmm. Woman hater. Tony London?
9: Oh, he's not here, teacher.
1: I didn't ask you. If Tony's not here, let him say so himself. Tommy Johnson? Here, Miss Revere. Where? In your chair. You're sitting on me. Oh, I didn't see you. You may go to your seat, Tommy. I'm going to start the history lesson. Sure, sure. Good luck, Miss Revere. Oh, thanks, honey. I mean, thanks. Now, students, as you all know, today's lesson is about the... The...
9: First Punic War.
1: Uh, yeah. Well, here goes. A band of mercenaries who'd been dismissed by the tyrant of Albany... That's
9: Syracuse.
1: Uh, well, I was close. Took possession of the city of Messana, and from this stronghold, harassed the northeast corner of, um... Sicily. Oh, uh, thanks, dearie. Sicily. The tyrant of Syracuse, King Hero... That's Hyro. Oh, don't be such a show-off. Now, where was I? Uh, King Hyro mm-hmm. undertook a war. Oh, yeah, yeah. This here king character undertook a war against them. In 264, Rome's legions found the Carthaginians already in possession of Messana, and the first Punic War began. <laughs> oh, thanks, fellas. Thanks. It was really nothing. Now, are there any questions? No? Good. Now, you may open your books and read the next lesson. I have a
9: question, Miss Revere.
1: Hmm. Wouldn't you just know it? What's your question, Percival? Uh,
9: where is Miss Sana? A uh,
1: very good question. Now, as I said before, you may all open your books and study the next lesson.
9: I've already read tomorrow's lesson, Miss Revere. Well, read
1: it again. I ain't playing any favorites.
9: If you don't mind, I'd like to ask a question about the second Punic War. Oh,
1: the second one? Yes. Uh, well, the first one was a much nicer war, you know.
9: Well, very well, then. Let's discuss the first Punic War.
1: Sure, kids, sure. Yeah. Uh, the First Punic War, a band of mercenaries who'd been dismissed by the Tyrant kind of Syracuse. Instead of marching home... Who
9: fought in the First Punic War, Miss Revere? Took
1: possession of the city of Masana, and from this... Who fought?
9: Yes, between exactly what armies, exactly?
1: Exactly what armies, exactly.
9: Um, um... Well, teacher, the First Punic War was between who? Uh,
1: between who? Why, um, between the... Between the punes and the eggs,
9: naturally. <laughs> but, Miss Revere... Sorry, that's all we have time for. Class dismissed. Oh, but, Miss Revere, it's only 10.45. You
10: heard, teacher, Sonny. Class
8: dismissed. Get well, 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 well.
1: yes, now. <laughs> Gee, thanks, Mr. I was in a tough spot. I don't know how to thank you.
10: I do. Just say yes.
1: Say yes? To what? Um, have dinner with
10: you, maybe? Yes, for the rest of your life.
1: Oh, now, wait a minute. I never saw you before.
10: Oh, but I've seen you, darling, in my dreams. And you look even more beautiful than your letters led me to believe.
1: Letters? Oh, then you're... Yes,
10: Roger, and your admirer. Admirer? That's how you sign all your letters, ever since your first fan letter... You never told me your real name.
1: Oh, well, look, Roger, she, I mean... Uh, don't Mr. talk, Schron- darling. Oh. Don't
10: talk. Just say you'll marry me at once.
1: Oh, but, Roger, you're making a mistake.
10: Yes. Yes, a big mistake. By not coming to America sooner and taking you away with me. Uh, well, then I, you oh, know, I uh, never thought teachers of oh, ancient history could be so beautiful, <laughs> so gorgeous. Oh, so
1: Mr. Roger, I... Oh, well, now, hold it a minute, Tommy. Go on,
10: Roger. Such gorgeous golden hay.
1: <laughs> just thinking 20
10: minutes we will be man and wife.
1: 20 minutes? Oh, look, I can't... Can I, Tommy? No, look, mister...
10: Go away, boy, and tell the principal he will have to get another teacher. Ah, ma chérie, je t'aime. Est-ce que vous m'aimez aussi? Oh,
1: well, uh, say it in English, Roger. I'm afraid I might be saying yes to the wrong question. Look, Miss
10: Revere. Revere. Oh, a beautiful name. But soon it will be changed to Duremi. Mrs. Roger St. John Terwilliger Duremi. I have the justice of the peace waiting at the plane. The
1: plane?
10: Yes, I had to charter my own. Took all my money. The pilot is waiting and I have to get back today in order for both of us to make the boat to France.
1: But she can't marry you. No, it'd be bigger me. Oh, I mean, uh, I took the teacher's place
10: here. Well, they can get another teacher to take your place. I'll get the justice of the peace back here. We'll be married before you can say... Schlump. Schlump? What's a schlump?
1: Exactly what it sounds like.
10: Sounds like something quite unattractive.
8: You
1: guessed it, mister.
10: Well, I've got to rush off now, darling. I'll be back in 20 minutes.
1: Well, Tommy, what now? Gee, I don't get it. What made him think you were her? Well, Aggie probably told him she was the history teacher here. And since you were subbing for her as a teacher, he thought you were Miss Lump. Yeah, and I don't mind subbing for her as a teacher, but expecting me to sub for her as a bride is a little too much you got to get Aggie, Tommy, and bring her back here fast. But supposing she don't... Well, Uh, I mean, he already thinks she's... Well, I mean, you're beautiful, Mm -hmm. and when he sees her, maybe the beauty parlor didn't... uh, Well, you know. What then? I don't know, Tommy, but Confucius once said that love is blind. Well, we'll soon find out whether Confucius is a liar. Go get Miss Schlump, Tommy. Uh!
9: Well, Tommy, where's Aggie? I didn't bring her. She's still under the dryer at the beauty parlor with her face all covered up with goo. Oh, well, how'd she look? Just like she fell from heaven and landed on her face. Well, did you tell her that her dream boat just docked? Well, I tried to, but they threw me out. Who did? Miss Schlump is also getting a massage all over. And the mystery box. Oh, thought... never
1: mind. Gosh, this is a problem. Roger will be back in ten minutes. Judge Ringing license. You ain't thinking of marrying him, are you, Miss Revere? No, but the trouble is, how can I stall the wedding until? That's it, Tommy. What's what? I'll go through the ceremony and stall it long enough for Miss Schlumpy to get here. But, but can you stall becoming Mrs. DeRamey long enough for a Schlumpy to get beautiful? I don't know, Tommy. But if I can't, my children are going to have a complete stranger for a father. <laughs>
2: Well, uh, no point holding things up any longer, Mr. DeRamey. I have other marriage ceremonies to perform, you know. Uh, do you have the ring? Yes, Judge. Here it is. Like
10: it, darling?
1: Well, sure. But, but don't you think it's a little too small for my thumb?
10: For your thumb?
1: Yeah. In case I ever hit your ride, right, I want the fresh guy who picks me up to know I'm
2: married. Uh, well, uh, please, I have five other couples to marry.
10: Uh, hold the bride's hand, please, Mr. DeRamey.
1: Uh... Oh, he can't do that.
10: I can't. Why not?
1: Well, after all, I hardly know you.
10: I'll introduce myself after we're married. Go ahead, Judge. Hey, yes. We are gathered here today to witness the
2: marriage of... Uh, your name, please, my dear.
1: Mary Anastasia O'Connor Revere.
2: Uh, to witness the marriage of Mary Anastasia O'Connor Revere? That's
1: after my mother's favorite sister, you know. Yeah, I didn't
2: know. To witness the marriage she of... She
1: was a wonderful woman, my aunt. But she was married to an awful fella. Lazy. And very
10: superstitious. Please, Macy, we don't have all day. Uh, no, we don't. Uh, to witness you the marriage. You
8: would have loved my aunt.
10: I doubt it. Uh, to witness the she
8: marriage of uh, m- Mary
2: m- Anastasia Revere to Roger St. John to Williger to de Remy
1: wise guy. Please,
2: darling, let's get on with the wedding. Yes, I'm not getting paid by the hour. Do you, Roger, take this woman... Mary
1: to... Anastasia O'Connor... For your legally... After my mother's favorite sister. Yeah, I know
2: all about it. For your legally... Oh,
1: did you know my aunt? She knew everybody. She's dead now.
2: Good.
10: For your she legally...
1: So I do. He didn't ask the question yet.
10: I knew the question.
1: Oh! So, Roger St. John Terwilliger de Ramey, you've been married before.
10: No, thank goodness. Now, if there's anybody here...
1: Roger St. John Terwilliger de Ramey, if you're going to jump down my throat at a simple little question, maybe we'd better call this whole thing off.
10: Please, please, Maisie, I want to marry you. so do I. Too
1: late, Judge. Roger, saw me first.
2: Oh, please, let me get my two cents into this so-called love match. Uh, before I declare you man and wife, is there anybody present who has any objections?
8: I do. Oh, no.
1: I do. Oh, thank goodness, Miss <sighs> Schlaff. Who is this? Tommy told me he was here, Miss Revere. But he didn't tell me you were marrying my Roger.
10: Your are Roger. Yeah, I don't understand.
1: But I do. This this man, crazy female here, wanted to get me out of the way. So that she could entice my fiance away from me. And that's why she sidetracked me to the beauty parlour. now wait a minute. I didn't. Say, hey, what'd they do to you, man? You're gorgeous. Now wait a <laughs> minute.
10: What's coming? Uh, yes. She's gorgeous, isn't she?
1: If he's so fickle that he'll marry the first girl he sees, I never.
10: What? Wanted...
1: You really think I'm pretty, Roger? <whistles> Does that answer your question, honey?
10: Look. I've got a little question, too. And Agatha's I...
1: the answer, Roger. She's the one you've been corresponding with. The one you really want to marry, don't you, Roger? Well. Well.
10: Well. Uh, do you mind, Maisie?
1: Oh, not at all. Before I get married, I promise my aunt, Mariana... E- no, Patriot. no,
10: let's not go through that again. Uh, will you marry me?
8: Miss, uh... Miss,
10: uh... Agatha Schlump. Schlump. Oh, that's a beautiful name.
1: And you really love me, Roger. Honey, if he thinks Agatha Schlump is a beautiful name, you know he loves you. Go ahead, Judge. <laughs> yes,
2: we are gathered here today to witness the marriage of, if you'll pardon the expression, Agatha
3: Just a moment, we shall return to the adventures of (laughs) Maisie.
1: And here's Maisie. And so Aggie and Roger were married. Aggie made a beautiful bride. That beauty parlor did wonders by her. Brother, I'll bet there was one lemon who never thought she'd wear orange blossoms. But I guess all brides are beautiful. And I hope those two kids will be happy. Not have one of those modern marriages where right after the ceremony, the bride keeps the wedding bouquet and throws away the groom. <laughs> And marriage can last if both persons use a little horse in. After all, marriage is, well, like a girdle. It gives a lot, takes a lot, both people together. Well, I'm on my way again just
8: here
1: get to the side of mine. My... Gosh, my feet They're wonderful things, mind you. Feet, I mean. But there's only one thing wrong with them they're built too close to the ground. <coughs>
3: just heard The Adventures of Maisie, starring Ann Southern. Maisie is presented by arrangement with Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer, producers of the Technicolor musical On the Town, starring Gene Kelly, Frank Sinatra, Betty Garrett, and Ann Miller. (laughs) Maisie was written by Arthur Phillips. Original music was composed and conducted by Harry Zimmerman. Supporting cast included Lorene Tuttle, Gerald Moore, Sidney Miller, Frank Nelson, Tommy Bernard, and Elmore Vincent. Jack McCoy speaking.
8: <laughs>